And so then you will see it used on like high-end fabrication, high-end construction. It'll just begin to replace sort of printed drawings and things like that. And then further down the line, maybe 15 years, 20 years, I would say like it's inevitable that uh, pass through AR on a glasses form factor device will be ubiquitous. Like that will be the next way of interfacing with computers. This is Inspiring Design, where unique innovators come together to share their knowledge, share their insight, and keep us up to date with the latest industry trends. And here's your host, Rashan Senanayak. What's up, listeners? Let's get on to one of the hottest topics and growing technologies of 2023, augmented reality also known as mixed reality. So to lead the way, I have here with me, Gwilym John. Gwilym is the co-founder and creative director of Follogram, a design research practice and technology startup developing software for designing and making in mixed reality. Not only that, he is also a lecturer of architecture and design at RMIT University in Melbourne, where he also completed his PhD. His design research in the fields of mixed reality environments, autonomous robotics fabrication, and creative applications of machine learning has been award-winning and published in leading computational design conferences and journals around the world. So he's the right man for the job. Without further ado, let's get straight into it. Welcome to Inspiring Design, mate. This has been awesome and I'm very excited having just had a tour of the amazing school here, uh, the building, the architecture surrounded by it and they're sitting here with a nice view as well. Uh, but let's tell the listeners about you first. What's your background and your story? Uh, so it's an education podcast. So I uh, grew up in Albany, Western Australia. I was homeschooled um, for most of primary school and spent a lot of time doing things like building chook sheds or learning to code video games and, and things like that rather than sitting around in classrooms. And when I eventually decided to go to uni, um, when I did my undergrad uh, in architecture at UWA before going to RMIT where I got interested in digital fabrication um, using machines to build things and um, uh, after graduating joined the faculty, very fortunate to join the faculty uh, where you get the opportunity to work with cutting-edge technology, things like, you know, robotic arms and um, uh, titanium 3D printers and, you know, cutting-edge, like, machine learning techniques and, and all the like toys, that. all the toys. And I, I was sort of doing a lot of work uh, for a few years at RMIT um, on trying to teach robots how to be craftspeople. Like, how do you, how do you get a robot to be able to um, make objects in the manner of a craftsperson. So not just 3D print and, and copy the things that we model digitally, but react to material and, you know, how, how do you make like a robot, like a skilled potter or something like that? Those, those are things that interested me. And when the HoloLens came out in 2017, I think it was, we realized we were approaching this problem completely wrong. Uh, rather than teaching robots to be skilled craftspeople, we could take skilled craftspeople or even unskilled craftspeople like ourselves mm. and, um, give them better access to digital information so that it became less kind of frustrating and challenging to build complex digital objects by hand. Mm -hmm. We saw that as a huge opportunity, so we started a company, spun off the IP that was developed at the university and have been 
running with that since. So that's that's Polygram. We we make software to to build things with with mixed reality. And that's obviously the topic of today as well. We're mixed reality. We'll get into a little bit about that. But I do want to talk about this. There's a very famous photo of yours that's that I saw in one of my colleagues' presentations here. That's actually what led me to be in front of you here. Um, it's actually tradesmen's seeing the CAD drawing almost in real life, one is to one scale, but through augmented reality. Tell me a little bit about the story behind that. Is that 100%? It's obviously conceptual, but what's the go there? Is it literally like that now? Yes, we're well known for that um, that image because we made a uh, a video that went vaguely viral in Bricklang. All right, I guess you know, yep. like, uh, one hundred fifty thousand views or something of a video about Bricklang. We definitely have to link that in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, the story behind that is at, at RMIT when we first got the Hololens, one of the first things that we thought it would be good for would be complex masonry, so mm-hmm. building walls that aren't straight, like anything that you would be difficult to build with string lines and, and plumb bobs and all the traditional like you know measuring tapes and things that you'd find on construction sites. Mm-hmm. Um, we thought the HoloLens would be would be good for that. Uh, it's difficult to build brick walls at universities though because mm. they're heavy and they're messy and people want you to remove them after you've built them. Of course, yeah. And all those things are kind of a nuisance. So we, we were doing prototypes with uh, recycled timber blocks to begin with where we would... Um, like scale down a brick wall to sort of half scale and then nail gun timber blocks together to make these masonry structures, but mm-hmm. just proof of concepts really. And and those structures were enough to, some bricklayers had seen those. They, um, or actually some other academics at, at the University of Tasmania had seen those projects and had relationships with, with brickies in, uh, in Tassie. And they ran a studio where rather than like, we were constrained. We couldn't build real brick walls. They had a big workshop space at UTAS, and mm-hmm. the students were designing these complex curvy brick walls, and then getting the bricklayers to come in and build their their designs on on campus. Oh wow! Yep. Which, yeah, super amazing. And we sort of assumed that the brickies would be, uh, let's say, reluctant to mm-hmm. engage with new tech. That's the stereotype. Like mm-hmm. a bricklayer is not the kind of person that you would normally associate with being like a open-minded they, they know their trade they don't want to go outside of that yeah an innovator you know you don't see them on site with robotic arms or things like that you know it's just not not what you expect mm-hmm. um but we were kind of shocked and surprised to find the opposite was true um mm-hmm. they were super excited about the technology because it wasn't changing how they were building it wasn't like automating out or uh, making their existing skills redundant mm-hmm. it was uh, enabling them to apply the existing skills they had to just more complex, ambitious projects and, mm-hmm. and, and building them without the usual tedium of doing lots of measured set out, which yep. no one likes to do, and which is usually a bottleneck on projects where you've just got one expert guy that does that. Uh, so because I was so excited, they then invited us to do a project on the CEO of the Bricklane Company's house, and um, we were allowed to go down there and kind of document that process. We made this short video of the Brickies talking about the, the experience and... There's nothing, um, nothing faked in that. That's all authentic yeah. uh, gut reaction. You know that this is 
is just sort of the best thing he's ever built i think he says on on camera which uh, yeah wow there you go and i think that's the cool thing like trades are becoming a completely different thing and it's almost hand in hand with the actual designer so that's and that and the technology in the center is becoming more and more popular which is augmented reality also known as mixed reality in some context i feel virtual reality and this is a personal opinion that i've come through vr seems to be a bit more applicable in the gaming context maybe just the one-on-one just design context but from a practical manufacturing perspective especially advanced manufacturing i feel like augmented reality is more suitable but the tech is not almost there at its capability yet what are your thoughts yeah that we see them as being two completely different um or having two completely different use cases primarily so virtual reality is good at immersing somebody in a entirely different space Mm. Uh, so for instance if you are trying to communicate to a client what a building or space is going to be like before you build it vr is usually a good good um use case for that because you can accurately simulate materials and lighting and move, move through large spaces and all the rest of it whereas with augmented reality we see those use cases as being about extending existing physical spaces and existing physical processes in in one way or another mm-hmm. um uh so that means um uh with ar i mean it's also used for visualization commonly like i think that's probably still the most common use case of, of ar is for viewing designs in context and mm-hmm. scale which mm-hmm. um AR is you know better than vr it's in in some ways um, it's still predominantly how it's used, but then it's also useful for doing things like quality control checks and things like that because you can compare a digital model of something with the physical thing that has been fabricated or is partway through being fabricated yeah. and identify any differences just visually. So you don't need any fancy like skills or tech or anything to see straight away overlay the two and it's just obvious yeah um it's almost too obvious people are kind of shocked and confused that the the tech doesn't go like ding or highlight where it's wrong yeah we naturally expect those things now (laughs) yeah yeah you just don't need them um and uh and then and then increasingly ai is being used for things that we're more excited about which is not making existing ways of making more efficient so um like the QA use case is a good example of you're not changing how you make anything, you're just making fewer mistakes because you can see them more easily. Yeah. But what what we're really excited by is um, how you might actually think about, like rethink existing design and fabrication processes from the ground up when, like assuming that you have access to a digital model as a reference in context mm-hmm. all the time because mm-hmm. that then radically alters how feasible it is to make buildings like the one we're in now. Yep. where nothing is a straight line and everything is on an angle and mm. it would normally just be a nightmare to make all these measured, like take all these measured set out points just to figure out if what you're building matches the design intent. Correct. And that problem just goes away with AR. Yep. You always know if it's matching or not. So Absolutely. And I think that's the exciting part. And obviously for a designer, it's a very, you and I both come from an architectural context and that's that's the dream, dream house for us. So it's, um, when you're thinking about this tech what it used to look like compared to where it might go. What are mm. your thoughts? What, what do you think will happen? Obviously, the Vision Pro mm-hmm. from time context just got um, brought through and that's seen as more mixed reality rather than an immersive one. It's almost giving the user the control. What are your thoughts on where this tech will go in the next five, 10 years? Yep, really excited about the Vision Pro. Uh, we've been waiting for that for the last five years. Yep. <laughs> uh, the, 
I, I think um, so in the kind of immediate future, like the next couple of years, uh, tech like the Vision Pro will be fairly mainstream. So you'll have mixed reality experiences using something called pass-through mm-hmm. augmented reality where you pipe the video feed from outside the headset onto a display on the inside of the headset and that enables you to do these sorts of overlays of digital content on your physical space. Yeah. So that's um, it, it's kind of a, a cheap-ish way of creating AR experiences without needing to solve all the complex physics problems of see-through displays. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully in sort of more like... And, and the, the, you, so I think with Vision Pro, in a couple of years, mixed reality pass-through will be common, but the use cases will still predominantly be in the office because mm-hmm. you're not going to take a big clunky headset where you can't actually see through the headset all Correct. the time onto a construction site or into an environment where you're doing welding or really just anything that's dangerous. That's yep. just not going to happen. Um, but I think in about maybe 10 years, this is a a conservative timeline mm-hmm. hopefully mm-hmm. You, we will solve the problem of like glasses form factor see-through ar um it'll just be in 10 years it'll be expensive yeah so not everybody will have them but yeah. that will be a thing so the hololens at the moment is pretty clunky it's about the same size as a vision pro mm. which is preventing people from wearing it all the time and there's head fatigue which you know naturally doesn't feel like part of it so it's those those problems might be solved by then Yep. So I think like in 10 years, you'll have some people who can afford this kind of cutting edge tech wearing these all the time. And so then you will see it used on like high end fabrication, high end construction. It'll just begin to replace sort of printed drawings and things like that. And then further down the line, maybe 15 years, 20 years, I would say like it's inevitable that uh, pass through AR on a glasses form factor device will be ubiquitous. Like that will be the next way of interfacing with computers. Yeah. Um, when we actually get to that point, then we'll just see AR used for all kinds of fabrication, construction, design. You know, it's just going to be so. It it will really look back at mobile phones mm. and wonder like how we ever used that to do three yeah. D modeling and three D building. It's going to seem really bizarre. Yeah, the screen and the flat interface. And there's good. this really I've only recently, and people people have a chuckle about this because. Um, Black Mirror, the TV show, has been around for quite some time. I only found out about it a couple of weeks ago. Um, but one of the exciting episodes that I really resonated with was the one where they constantly, any glass service, like you're saying, becomes a projection screen. So it's, it's like if it's a window or literally the TV is a glass panel, you know, it's nothing more. So I feel like that concept is, is what you're saying makes sense. What's when you're Looking at the world today, one of the most common questions I get asked is what are the brands, what are the headsets, especially from a practical educational perspective, mm-hmm. because these technologies tend to be seen a little bit gimmicky sometimes. It's a bit of a marketing ploy and not actually hands-on practical, which is very different to what you're doing. It's actually to build things, bring things to life. That's where the exciting part is. So where do people who want the practical applications, what are the brands that they can get into? Where, are they sh- where should they be investing? Yep. So if you want to use the HoloLens, uh, oh, sorry, AR for um, high precision use cases over large scale. So mm-hmm. let's say you want to look at a BIM model of the building we're in now um, or, or any other building really, like mm-hmm. building scale AR with construction tolerances, you're currently limited to either using the HoloLens 2, uh, that would be our um, first choice device, or something called the Magic Leap. 
mm-hmm. uh, Magic Leap 2, which isn't currently available in Australia. So in Australia, it's pretty much just the HoloLens 2, which is why we're focusing on it. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at lower precision, mixed reality and pass-through is okay, like pass-through um, AR experiences, so say for viz, mm-hmm. visualization in context, then you have a lot more options because there's cheaper VR headsets that will do that. Um, things like the Quest Pro or Quest 2, upcoming Quest 3 supposedly mm-hmm. has better yep. pass-through video. Those are going to be maybe better options for that because if you're doing viz, you might not necessarily be getting the same uh, like cost benefit, let's say. So if you just want to see see a model in context, you don't need to be too precise. Especially from like a client presentation point of view. Yeah. Yeah, so they're, they're um, good alternatives. And then I think Vision Pro, when that comes out next year, will be the higher, like somewhere in between those two things, probably. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah, awesome. And I think that's where the exciting part is, where you do have, it's becoming a more competitive market. So therefore, these technologies are going to become more applicable, easier for everyday people to access it. Uh, but at the moment, it's, it's that even the Vision is actually a pro version, which is quite hefty of a price tag, you know, so it's... um. For an everyday person, definitely not the case. But um, when you're looking at students' perspectives, they're the ones who's going to be in industry practicing in the next, you know, 5, 10, 20 years. What are some career pathways that are coming up that might not exist today? And how do you see this space evolving? Yeah, really good question. Um, I mean, the obvious one at the moment is is like expertise in visualization. Mm-hmm. So because that's how VR predominantly is used in practice, it's for doing uh, either like um, during the design phase, visualization of options mm-hmm. or for doing high-end client presentations. So as a student, if you're interested in those sorts of things, you can definitely specialize in those. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the other big opportunity for students though is um, with tools like or technologies like augmented reality and um, increasingly things like artificial intelligence, things like that. The technologies that are changing and emerging so quickly that you have an opportunity as a student to kind of become an expert in those fields because there are no experts yet. Like when a technology completely changes every year, you've had the same one year of experience as everybody else in the world. And so I I think if, if I was a student now, I'd be looking at those two technologies and trying to rethink again from first principles how we deliver you know, design processes or how we deliver um, buildings differently if that is how we, like, design, document, um, uh, even, even like, more, more boring things like just manage the administration of projects mm-hmm. yep. using those tools. Um, so there's a big opportunity there if you wanted to start a new kind of design build firm, let's yep. say, where you're responsible for, uh, like, prefab of, of buildings as well as design and customization of those buildings. Yeah. You get the benefits of using, like, augmented reality for both of those things. Yeah. And then the last thing I'd say for students is, I mean, big companies like Meta, Google, Apple, um, they're all trying to build this next interface for computing. Yeah. And AR engineers are in such massively high demand. Mm. So if you have some experience in unity have some experience in developing like spatial software you will not find it hard to get a very high paying job yeah um, and i'd say that trend is about to really accelerate because a whole lot of people who currently develop 2d apps are going to need to spatialize those apps mm. and they're going to need to draw that experience from somewhere and the thing is that um 
that skill set's actually quite different to building 2D mm. interfaces. So huge opportunity there for students. Yeah, yep. and I think that's where even if an educator listening to this, they have to almost point them to these kinds of avenues for students to actually explore because at the end of the day, a student might not be aware of these kinds of opportunities in the world. So giving them the opportunity to think that way and, and showing exploration pathways, that's, that's brilliant actually. And 100%, it puts things into perspective that age-old question of, you know, to enter the industry, there's always this joke of three years experience. Mm-hmm. I've gone through it. You would have definitely gone through it as well. And it's the most common question, but all of a sudden you have the same amount of experience as everyone else in the world. That's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Puts things into perspective. So hopefully people take that nugget away <laughs> from, from you. So well done. And um, so when you're thinking about skills, you've touched on a few elements there, um, but one of the non-digital literacy thinking patterns that I can see there is the ability to understand patterns, like looking at market trends, looking at industries, seeing where you might actually apply a specific technology application or part of the new design iteration or the process with that. I would call that creative problem solving, seeing patterns and being able to inject part of it. Some call it design thinking. What are your thoughts on how this fits in as these as these kinds of technologies become more and more prevalent? Yeah, that, that's a really good point, I think. I, I think um, other skills that would be beneficial to have are yeah, research skills, entrepreneurial skills, like not this, and yeah, design thinking skills. I think that's partly why architects are maybe, well, you know, my background's in architecture, but um, uh, are well positioned to to build these kind of new computing interfaces and things like that just because it requires thinking about things from the perspective of so many different domains. Yeah. Um, I also think that like soft skills are going to become increasingly important. Mm-hmm. So uh, for instance, um, with augmented reality, what if, if you actually want to change how things are being built, you need to be able to communicate the value of a tool that you're making to yep. a a bricky on site yeah. as well as to an architect as well as potentially to a client that needs to take the risk in mm. backing these new processes and those those are just communication skills really um, and I don't I don't know how much that's really at the front of people's minds when they're choosing career paths and what to what to learn but I'm, I'm 100% confident that's going to be increasingly valuable yeah and, I, and I, people almost it's it's underestimated the value of those skill sets i think and even being able to empathize with someone purely from a whether it's an entrepreneurial context or a client or a builder or the architect or whatever right it's um learning how to speak their languages and they're the things that we do i think underestimate but they're almost at the forefront and then all these digital literacies and the cool tech and the toys become a very cool tool on the back of those things. So I really resonate with what you're saying there. Now, when you're looking at augmented reality, what other technologies complement AR? What goes hand in hand with it? Now, obviously software is one of them. What are the softwares that people use? Yep, Um, we predominantly use like Rhino and Grasshopper. Um, And so do a lot of our clients that are using um, mixed reality for fabrication. That's partly because um, Rhino is just a really good uh, kind of um, concept design tool. Let's say you don't, you're not inhibited when you use that tool to design mm. as much as you might be with softwares which are more optimized for conventional construction, things like you know Revit and Archicad and things like that. Yep. Um, though we also have clients that are using 
uh, Revit with, with AR as well, especially Revit with um, extensions for doing things like modular steel framing or modular timber framing where yep. you're wanting to have a full kind of end-to-end um, digital design to production workflow. So yep. you've got everything in a BIM model, you're maybe CNC cutting all of your like edge steel framing and then you've got the one bottleneck at the end where you've still got to make a whole lot of 2D shop drawings to communicate to some guy how to put that framing together. Yep. AR solves that last little problem. Mm. Um, where, I mean from a you know a very much like a research standpoint we're also interested in how emerging ai tools can fit with Mm -hmm. um, augmented reality Mm -hmm. uh doing things like um applying patterns to complex 3d surfaces like Mm -hmm. we're doing with the workshop here Mm -hmm. um, at bond Uh, or increasingly i think as ai tools get better at generating 3d forms from things like text prompts um whether those 3d forms are sort of um, like unstructured in a way or whether they're generating like literally BIM information. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a big opportunity there to use augmented reality for fabrication because you are eliminating like the entire CAD modeling process, not just the yep. 2D drawing process, but the fairly tedious 3D modeling process mm. as well. And you jump straight from kind of intent to physical thing yep. through the medium of semi-improvised, highly skilled hand making. Yeah. I, I think you could also go from AI, like these AI generated tools to like 3D print something, mm. but then you entirely cut out the human from the loop. And I feel like that's a bit of a missed opportunity in a way. Like I, I still think there's a lot that people, skilled makers can contribute. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And I think the thinking is still at the forefront. These, I always see these technologies as be- becoming bigger and better extensions of ourselves if the thinking is the foundational thing that we're doing, right? You know, if we're taking taking anything from the Hollywood movies and one of the references I always make is like Iron Man. Iron Man at the front and center of it, he's an industrial designer, right? He's, he knows his physics, he knows his materials, and he knows his tech. There's AI, there's CAD, there's prototyping. So even his helmet is augmented reality. It's overlaying existing information. So that's where I think the cool, exciting part is. And we're almost trying to find what that looks like in a real application. I can see the days where, like the patterns you just showed, where if the existing building is 3D scan, we're looking at it and then overlaying a pattern that we have might literally just be projected and the technology exists to now sense depth pretty accurately. So I think this is where the, I, I love this stuff. So <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Now, where do you think valuable advice fits for students? What, where do you think they sh- what, what do you think they should be doing if they're interested in this kind of tech? while they're going through studies, whether they're in high school or uni? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really good question. I, I think this, this question um, I would answer regardless of like what you're focusing on as a student, mm. um, and that is find something that you're just really, really curious about and just work very, very hard on that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and ideally, the thing that you're curious about is also something that you are have a kind of an affinity for, like you mm. already feel like you're good at it. Yeah. Um, that's two ticks and then the third thing is if you're curious about something and you kind of have an affinity for it and it seems like you might be able to improve something with that curiosity like you've identified something that's sort of could be better in the world yeah that's the trifecta so it's what you're looking for and i think that like 
there's so many low-hanging fruit with augmented reality where pretty much everybody who puts on an AR headset and looks at some digital model puts two and two together and goes, oh, I could use this for X, Y, or Z. Like, yep. This is going to change how I do that. And so for a student, that's, I guess, the fourth piece of advice is just get your hands on the tech and let the ideas come to you and then go build them. Yeah. Um, the, it's not too hard to prototype things. So. Yeah. And I think on the back of that advice, I just wanted to add that, you know, you don't really need access to a high-end $3,000 headset to wait to get your hands on the tech. You might actually approach the university or the school if they've got one. If they don't, your phones and tablets actually have lower forms of those things. And um, one of the professionals that I came across recently actually even said, you know, when you're reversing the car, that overlay of the car park, that's actually augmented reality, but we've yeah, been using true. it for decades, right? Yeah. But it's not something that you think, oh, that's AI, it's right in front of you. Yeah. Um, but it's, I think, even using the lower tech forms of any forms of digital overlay on the real existing world, mm -hmm. look for it, experience it. So that's that's great advice. On the, on the flip side of this exact question is the educator. What's your advice for the educators? Yeah, so for the educators, and maybe picking up on the point you made earlier, is yeah, you don't need access to a cutting edge bit of tech to engage with the tools. And I think this is important for educators. Like it, it helps to have a set of HoloLens or something because you can go and explore high value use cases straight away. But mm. in order to, to um, get support to go make that sort of investment, yeah, you can use your phone. Or there's increasingly kind of open source kits that you can get, like a really exciting one at the moment is called Monocle, which is just a single oh, wow. yep. AR device which is designed to be hackable and like that would be enough to build a lot of at least like heads up display type yep. AR applications. Is that available in Australia? <laughs> uh, I think so, yeah. And then um, with your phone, you have the advantage of having um, more mixed reality, like the, the AR that you see is located in physical space mm -hmm. as, and you move around and it seems fixed. Yep. But you have the disadvantage of it being on a 2D display. So um, so for teachers, yeah, I'd say you can use kind of the, the lower end, like more readily available tech to build out kind of proof of concepts to invest in the higher end tech and, and build more real applications, let's say. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I'd say for teachers is um, like a, I always advise like colleagues and students of mine that are teaching uh, or going into teaching to just take risks when you engage with the tech. It's like almost the most important thing. Like within mm. an educational environment, you're able to do things that people in industry can't afford to take the risks to do. Mm. And I usually call that the train wreck studio. Yep. Like, if it's not a train wreck, <laughs> then you haven't taken enough risks. Fair. Um, so that that is like, you know, no one wants to train wreck their class. But on the other hand, one in ten won't be a train wreck and will really generate something that's actually going to be have meaningful impact. So yeah. That's... And I think a simulated train wreck is good. You actually learn, <laughs> learn quite a lot, you know, what not to do the next time you do these things. So that's a unique approach, but I think... Involving failure as a part of the process is, is, a, is a given. It's um, If you don't, it's almost an outdated mentality. So that's amazing. And I know we've only just scratched the surface. I feel like we can talk about this for hours. Um, so if they do want to learn more about things, what you do, get in touch. What's the best way? Uh, just visit our website, followgram.com or on Instagram. We post things like the project we've talked about today. Love it. Perfect, man. And um, I, I try to ask a random question, but uh, it's been on the back of my mind. It's not going to be too random. It's still related to augmented reality. Um, if you could have a one wish list, or not, not a wish list, one wish with regards to augmented reality today, what would it be? 
Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, mostly because it's hard to pick one thing. You can have two. You can have two. Um, I wish that... Um, so, I wish more people were willing to try and build buildings like we did back in the Gothic. So Interesting. So, amazing cathedrals were built in sort of the 13th, 12th century. These mm. huge, humongous buildings that are still standing. Mm. And there's an assumption now that the current way we build is sort of the most efficient, best, only way to build. But, and it's the only way to build big things. Like, mm. when you look at this, the little sculpture that we made in um, at Bond, it's kind of this wild object and it's made all with the HoloLens and AR. But, and people might say, oh, yeah, that's great, but how do I build a bigger building with the same tech? Yeah. Well, you just look back to the Gothic and they were doing things with really wide tolerance and nothing fit together perfectly and they just had a whole lot of different construction techniques mm. to still make those buildings work. And so what I, I wish is that rather than being focused on optimization, automation, mm -hmm. efficiency, it would be nice to focus instead on quality and, and craft. And, mm. um, Push the boundaries and, with yeah, the design. Yep. yep, exactly. So that, that would be what the first thing that comes to mind. Okay, what's the second thing? The second thing that comes to mind is Apple would just release some really good lightweight form factor glasses. That would be uh, awesome too. Yep, yeah, there you go. Hopefully there's it. people from Meta and Apple listening. And uh, if they are, there you go. Wishlist from the people using it. So love it, mate. And um, this is an exciting topic. And I feel like it's going to be a very different landscape in like two years time anyway. So we might do another episode. Who knows? But thank you so much for your time. I think listeners will get a lot out of this one. So thank you. Thanks for having me. That's it for today's episode. Now it's time to take action and build on the learnings to get inspired. First up, jump on to rashansenanayaka.com forward slash podcast and check out the show notes, links and other relevant learning materials from this amazing episode. Next, if you learned something new today, click that subscribe button and set yourself up to receive live notifications on future episodes as well as more opportunities to learn from our amazing guests, brands and speakers. Last but not least, it's time to have your say. Join the conversation and share your thoughts and feedback on today's episode with a review, all while joining many others with a five-star rating for Inspiring Design with Rashan Senanayaka. Till next time.